Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. All right, well, good morning, everyone. I'm going to pray, then we're going to jump into 1 Samuel 16. Let me just get the... All right, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We just pray for revelation this morning. We just lift up every need or situation that might be represented by those who are um, are now or those who will listen to this later on. Father, would you just bring um, help, relief, and revelation to each person? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you were in church yesterday, wasn't that a great time? Um, blessing teachers, having the kids up there. It's a really fun day yesterday. Um, let's jump into 1 Samuel 16. I'm going to read it from the NIV version, and then we'll jump in. So the title is Samuel Anoints David. Verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? since I have rejected him as king of Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be the king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his, and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw um, Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before him. So immediately we can see that Samuel is making some assumptions as he looks and is judging by what he sees. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. So the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. And Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, he is tending the sheep. 
Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Um, so we don't know exactly how old David was, but most scholars, there's a range of ages. They think he was somewhere between 10 and 15, so still kind of young. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, we know that the Spirit of the Lord was already on him, but I think the difference is it came powerfully upon him and was apparent. Um, Samuel then went to uh, Ramah. Okay, David in Saul service. Now, the Spirit of, of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. I don't know about you, but that line is a little interesting. We'll come back to that a little later. Um, Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor-bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. And so just looking at the last part there, we see a cycle where I'm guessing over and over Paul is afflicted. But because of David, um, the spirit leaves him. But we'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, all right. So let's just do a quick summary of 15, which kind of sets us up. So that's prior to these events. So in 15, 1 Samuel 15, um, King Saul is commanded by God through Samuel to destroy the Amalekites, to completely destroy them. Um, he doesn't listen and he doesn't completely destroy them and spares the king and some livestock. And Samuel confronts Saul because of his obedience and because of that, he gets rejected as king. So God's favor leaves him. And so 15 brings us to where we are. Um, a three-line summary of 16 would be God comes to Samuel and says, uh, I want you to find 
the next king and anoint him. He goes to Jesse. Samuel learns that God's values and heart and character of a person matters more than outward appearances. And we'll get a little more into that. And David is anointed while the current King Saul begins to experience the consequences of disobedience to God. So with all that being said, let's look at some key ideas and things we can pick up from this text. So the first thing is the contrast between Saul and David. Now Saul's heart has turned away from God and God's spirit has left him. Right, we see that throughout this chapter, and he's bothered by a spirit. Now, let's just look at that one section where it said, um, actually, we'll get to that. So, Saul turned away from God, David. David is a man after God's own heart, and we'll look a little more at that too. So, the first thing we can pick up here is, is there's a warning, right, about the consequences of disobedience. Saul is in this place where he's been um, afflicted by the spirit. And it's not that God is sending an evil spirit. It's that God's spirit has left Saul. And in doing that, Saul is now open to affliction by Satan, right? So God has left him and said, listen, you tell me to leave you, so I'm going to do that. And so now Saul is suffering the consequences of that. Okay, point two. Okay, so let's look at how does God choose? Right, so God doesn't choose or make decisions in the way we do. So God tells Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. Um, to appoint a new king. Now, Samuel assumes that it's going to be one of his older sons. And we know if we look at chapter 17, you know, we'll see that three of his sons were serving, were going, or either are or going to serve in the military, right? This whole thing with the Goliath that's about to happen. But God doesn't choose any of those sons. God says, I'm going to look at the heart rather than outward appearances. And there's a lot of people, maybe people you know, that from the outside, everything looks great, right? Um, might be a nice house, maybe nice clothes. But when you look inside, things might start to get a little smelly. And so God chooses on character and faithfulness rather than physical attributes or societal status. And it's a reminder that we should not judge people by their appearances alone. So I made some notes here. How do we see people like God sees them? What are some things we can do to see the way God sees? And so I made a list here, and I'm going to go through that. So the first thing is, and this might be the hardest one, is to love unconditionally. Now, i.e., another another way to say that is to show grace. Now, we know God has an unconditional love for us, and we see that in John 3, 16, right? Because he gave everything he had. He gave his own son so that we might live and have life everlasting. Um, to see people at God's, as God sees them, we have to approach them 
with a love that is not dependent on the actions, beliefs, or background. Now, that's hard, right? So we have to put aside all our presuppositions about people and go, how do I see God? How do I love as God loves? How do I see people as God sees them? Um, this means that sometimes we have to be accepting. We have to care for them as they are um, without judgment or prejudice. Um, so 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I made a little note for myself here. When grace is hard to give, remember the grace granted to you. Right? So when I remember what God has covered in my life, what he's done for me, maybe it's a little easier to give grace to someone else. Okay, everyone's still good? All right, so when two, how do we see like God sees? So the second thing is we need to learn to, to practice empathy. So empathy involves putting myself in another person's shoes and understanding their feelings and perspectives. So we have to learn to empathize with their struggles, their joys, their pains, and this can lead us to a deeper connection and a more compassionate view. Um, there's that old saying, right? Don't judge someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Well, the bottom line is you don't know their story. And until we know their story, you know, um, empathy might come be difficult. So let's get to know people's stories. A um, couple of examples of this. Um, Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus eats with sinners, right? Jesus demonstrates this time and time again. Um, John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So not some people, but everyone. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another, another one, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, these things aren't always easy to do, which leads me into three, which, which says, look beyond appearances. So when Samuel was looking at Jesse's sons, he saw something, but he wasn't seeing what God was seeing, right? So to look beyond appearance, to look beyond appearances, we have to see people's inner qualities character and, in, and intentions rather than making judgments on their status in society or their physical appearance. Um, this reminds me of Matthew 25, 35, where he writes, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And so... Empathy and looking beyond these, the last two we discussed involve some risk, right? Well, we always get it right, no, but that's where we need the Holy Spirit, right, to help us um, not only to give empathy, but to have wisdom. Because we've got to be smart about you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to us um, the true inner reality of the person or situation we're dealing with. So the question is, how much are we willing to risk for the sake of being the hands and feet of Jesus? 
yeah, I think that's pretty. That's a that's a profound statement. Um, and then finally, empathy opens doors that man cannot. Right. So as David plays for Saul and has influence over him, he gains favor, and it ultimately leads to other things like um, him being being in a place where he knows about Goliath, and God's able to use him in a powerful way. So empathy opens doors that man cannot. Okay, number four. Oh, so. Okay, so from this passage, we learn that God forgives and God shows grace. So it's that unconditional love. We have to try and forgive others for their mistakes and shortcomings, just as God does. Now we find Saul in a place where you know, the spirit is coming upon him. And when David's there and he plays, he experiences relief. We don't know if Saul came to full repentance, probably not. But David is there in a position of unconditional love because he has the Holy Spirit on him and he's a person who is able to show um, grace in the situation. And of course, we we have to recognize that David is not judging. So that would be point five, right? To see people at God's, as God sees them, we have to refrain from harsh judgments and instead focus on understanding and compassion. Um, judge not that you not be judged, right? So we have to remember that God is the only righteous judge, right, who deserves payment for our sin. But if God chooses not to judge us, and gives his son Jesus as the atoning sacrifice to pay for everything we've done. We have to follow in God's example. So um, another thing about, about this is not judging is different to not compromising your public standards, right? We do have things that the Bible says, live in a certain way, um, call out things that are wrong, you know, Call out the sin, but love the person, all right? So we still need to hang on to our principles. But let's not lose sight of the person in the process of doing that. Okay, number six, um, serve others. So we're still under this idea of how do we see people the way God sees them. So serve others. Um, so God's love is expressed how? Through acts of service and kindness is one way. Um, serving others with no agenda, right? So engage in acts of kindness and service to others without expecting anything in return. I think that's the key phrase here. I think sometimes we want to do things knowing that there's a payoff. But true service, it has no agenda, right? We're serving because we want to because God loved first, and so we want to show others God's love through the things we do. Um, this can be a great open door, right, to conversations or experiences. Um, I'm going to share a story with you shortly. Um, before I do that, let's just hit point seven and eight. So seven is um, 
to see as God sees. We have to ask God for guidance, right? We have to spend time in prayer. Um, we have to seek God's wisdom through interactions with others, right? So Saul, even though the Spirit of God has left him, he recognizes that other people um, do have the Spirit and they can influence his situation. And so we need to seek out those people um, who clearly have God's Spirit on them, people who have wisdom, um, people who are able to speak into our lives with love, love and understanding. Right, we need to study God's Word. We need to seek wise counsel. And that's what we're doing right now, right? So we have to create space for revelation from God. So sometimes that means spending some time just being quiet, spending a few hours um, being alone, cut off from social media, whatever it is. Um, number eight. Um, so we need to practice humility. So humility is recognizing own limitations and shortcomings. Um, recognizing that you may not fully understand another person's experiences or struggles. And again, this leads into empathy, right? Um, number nine, so look for common ground. So we're still talking about how do we see people as God sees them, look for common ground and recognize the humanity that connects us all. We're all under the same curse of sin, right? And we need to strive to build bridges rather than walls. So um, for those of you who don't know, I I teach a spin class, so indoor stationary bikes at a gym nearby. And in many ways, it's it's kind of like a another mission field for me. It's people that most of them know that I'm a pastor, but I don't lead with the fact that I'm a pastor when I'm in the class. You know, if they talk to me afterwards, they might know that. And so there's a lot of people that don't necessarily go to church. And uh, one of the ladies that go there, um, she is uh, much older, and she recently was in a severe um, accident where she was run over by a golf cart. And so after she had surgery, she's broken bones. Um, but because sorry, but because I have tried to build bridges of trust with them, so that's what the gospel is all about, right? Building bridges of trust that can withstand the weight of truth, the truth of the gospel. Um, she let somebody know who goes to Fusion that she was in the hospital and could I come and pray with her? Now, this is a lady who has a Catholic background, doesn't go to church at all, but yet still asks for prayer. So I went to uh, the um, recovery uh, facility, that she, like a rehab facility she was in. And while I was there, I got to pray with her. There was another lady there who was one of her neighbors. who uh, was a Jewish lady that, you know, proudly Jewish, but not, I didn't really see anyway. So just these different people, two different people. Um, one that I know, one that I didn't know. 
but yet I was able to pray with one of them while the other one was there and create a situation where um, empathy and compassion was building this bridge of trust. And we are still in conversation. And I'm hoping that God uses this, that she comes to a place where she actually starts to attend church. And that's that's my prayer. But the point is, is that our common ground, our empathy and, and building bridges has given me that opportunity to speak into our life. So um, I would encourage us all to do that. Okay. Everyone's still okay? Got a few minutes left here. Um, let's really focus on the heart of David for the last couple of minutes we have. Sorry. So when um, Samuel arrives at Jesse's house, after seeing all the other brothers, he eventually anoints David, the youngest son, as the future king. Now, there's some time between this event and when David actually becomes king. But David is described sorry, as being a man after God's own heart. So what makes him a man after God's own heart? So I'm going to come back to my first point because that's going to be really based on the next chapter that we haven't done yet, but let me cover all the others. So um, David has a deep faith and trust, right? So even though he knows that Saul is afflicted by a spirit. He comes back time and time again. He goes back and he serves his family. He goes back and forth between Saul and his family. So he's a man that trusts deeply, but he also has a deep faith. And we know that from Psalms he's written. So clearly David was spending time um, with God. Right, so my second point for David is, he was a man of praise and worship, right? So he was a man that spent time entering into worship. He was passionate about worshiping God. He played a musical instrument, right? He composed um, songs and, um, you know, lots of psalms. And so we know that one of the key things to be a person after God's own heart is to enter into worship. And why does it matter? Because worship is entering into the presence of God, right? Simple. We're actually focusing our time on who God is rather than ourselves. All right, so David was also obedient to God's will, right? So when he was asked to come to Saul, he did that. Um, he spared Saul's life twice, right? Um, he sought God's guidance, and when, even when he took things into his own hands, right, he listened to God's direction. Uh, the next one is David recognized God's sovereignty. Right, so David acknowledged God's sovereign authority in his life, but also for the nation of Israel. He realized that he was really just a servant of God. And that God was the true king of Israel. He could have got this really wrong. And we know David did mess up in his life. But he was still a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he was a repentant guy. Um, you know, later on, we'll find that David shows true repentance. Repentance. Okay, now, David was also a man of courage and righteousness, right? So if you read chapter 17 soon, 
right? We all know the story of David and Goliath, and David leads Israel to many victories. And so his courage and his righteousness aligned with God's values. Okay, we are, let's see, a few minutes left. Okay. I'm just trying to pick out some things here rather than... Okay. So a few final thoughts here. It's, and we've spoken about how does God choose. Um, let's talk about God's timing. So David's anointing as king occurs a long time before he actually becomes king. So he spends years in preparation, including serving as a musician uh, for King Saul, um, facing challenges like David, like Goliath. And so this teaches us that God's plan often involves a process of preparation and waiting, right? His timing may not always align with our own. And so in that waiting time, often there's things that God wants to do in us, things that God wants to experience, maybe things that God wants us to repent of. Um, I have a whole section here on, so basically I've said it already. But let me give you just a few quick things real quick. Is God always answers our prayers, right? The answer is yes, no, or wait. Why, why does God sometimes say wait? Well, maybe we need to experience some spiritual growth. Um, it might be just because of God's wisdom, right? God's timing is different from ours, and God sees a bigger picture than we see. And so sometimes we need to align ourselves with God's greater plan that we can't see in the moment. It, God might say wait because of testing and refinement, right? Think about Job and Job 23. When you test me, I will come forth as gold. So waiting can be a form of testing and refinement. So sometimes we have to go through a crisis so that um, in our ministry, we have the tools that we need for specific things that are going to come our way. Uh, God might say wait because of wanting to align us with his will. It might be timing for greater good. So bottom line is, if God says wait, we need to figure out what does he want to do in us? It's not because God's punishing us, but God sees more than we can see. And there might be things that he just wants to work out in our lives for, for the benefit of his kingdom. And if you guys are, I just want to cover one more section here, and that's the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit shows up throughout this chapter and is kind of the key thing um for Samuel, you know, the Spirit of God um comes upon David from that day forward when he's anointed. And we know that the uh, Holy Spirit guides us, empowers us for empowers us for God's Spirit. So it's important for us to seek the Holy Spirit in our own lives, right? Verse 14, we see the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. This meant that 
Saul had lost his spiritual protection and his covering. So Satan was more than ready to send a bad spirit, evil spirit, to fill the void, right? Um, because he was, Saul was proud and rebellious. Saul resisted the Holy Spirit. He told the Holy Spirit, no, go away. Um, so many times that God finally gave Saul what he wanted. And it says the spirit of the Lord departed from him. Let's not be like Saul, right? David was filled with the Holy Spirit and able to influence Saul when he was distressed. Bottom line is, let's seek the Holy Spirit's um, guidance and empowering and filling daily, right? Why? Because we are leaky. We leak. You know, we're like a bucket with a hole in it. So, um, final summary, right? God is sovereign. Right? God looks at inner character, not at the outside, right? We are limited in our human judgments. Um, obedience and faithfulness are key to God's plan. And the Holy Spirit is the secret source. You know, it's the power that comes from God that allows us to fulfill God's plans for our lives. So thanks, guys. I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, let me pray. Um, yep, let's pray, and then we'll get into our day. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that... Um, through this passage, you've taught us so many things. One, to see how you, to see people the way you see them, not to overlook those that you may be choosing. Father, we also uh, want to learn that your Holy Spirit is there for our, for our good, for our empowerment, and to fulfill your purposes and your plans. So, Father, would you allow us to... Um, to just see the way you see, to act the way you want us to act, empowered by your Holy Spirit. Father, would we seek you daily? Would we allow the Holy Spirit to um, just to bring us um, revelation, to bring us to repentance if needed, Father, to bring us into a place of worship if needed. But Father, would we seek you first? Would we spend time, Father, in um, getting to know you and as we do that, Father, you will reveal your plans to us. You will reveal the things that you want to do in us and through us for the benefit of your kingdom. So, Father, we pray a blessing on this day. We thank you for your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.